2: This is the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer. The Word of God is full of life-changing power. So our prayer is that this broadcast equips you to live a life so big that it impacts everyone and everything around you. Remember to hit the notification bell on YouTube to get this teaching and worship with us live each week. Let's join Bishop Greer.
1: This again was this incredible, outwardly pious, outwardly celebrated. He was literally a, a genius, actually, and he he exceeded all of his peers at, at the time. And the Bible goes on and tells us about that in other places. But the success of the Christians brought out a very, very serious mean streak in this man. And we all face a dark side from time to time. But this Saul moved in and lived there. You know, jealousy is really a backhanded compliment. It just means that somehow someone fears that somehow you live a life better than theirs. And instinctively, deep down inside, he knew these believers had the truth. But he wouldn't submit to the Christ, and and he wanted to go his 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 own way, and and he knew that there was a joy that that didn't make sense. Uh, when, when, when we look at Stephen's death, he looks to heaven and says, "Father, forgive them." So there was a brightness, there was a joy, and it, and it, it bothered him and frustrated. How come I can't be that merc? How come I, I I'm so smart? I memorized the whole entire Bible, but but you have these simpletons, these guys that just learned the Bible yesterday. They're, they're outshining us and there was a jealousy that that emerged in and, and the way he dealt with his jealousy was actually murders and threat and he journeyed and he came near Damascus a new city where he can cause more pain and then suddenly a light out of nowhere shone around him from heaven and we all know the rest of the story the light knocked him to the ground and he got up a changed man you see, when God calls you, you can come easy or you can come hard, but you are coming. Second Timothy 2 and 19 says, The Lord knows those who are His. And you know it too. So why waste more years fighting, more time resisting, just piling up bodies in your closet? 1 Timothy 1 and 12. In Timothy, Paul picks up about 30 years after the road to Damascus. And by this time, he has grown from Saul into the beloved apostle Paul. But this should speak to us. Since God waits to the end of our lives to judge us, maybe we should wait too. You see, no one could have saw what God saw in Saul. No one could have imagined underneath all that murder and hate was an apostle. Underneath all that rage and, 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 and venom was a man that, that, that would, would, would travel the globe taking the gospel of Jesus Christ. And likewise, no one really could imagine what was in you when he first called your name. But thank God, God sees beyond the surface into who we really, really, really are. When friends from college, well, no, let me go back, high school, found out I was a preacher, they said words I can't repeat. Who could have imagined in that skinny pimple kid, there was a man that would come to know God and God would use to take this gospel around the globe. So he begins in verse 12. He's just at the beginning of the epistle. And he's talking about doctrinal things that are important. But he has to inject He says And I thank Christ Jesus Our Lord Paul was flooded with grateful memories Of what the Lord had done to him And for him On that road 30 years earlier And if you think about your story You'll be grateful too It's hard not to be misty-eyed When you think about his goodness When you think about all that he's done for me, where he's brought you from and how he carried you at times uh, along the way. Since the beginning of time, God has chosen the unlikely to do the unimaginable. And it's to his credit and to his glory that he would see anything in you and I. And he's writing important truths, but he had to kind of give himself a praise break. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me. Hmm. Imagine knowing the entire Old Covenant, having it memorized, but not having the ability to do it. But you see, with the gospel, with the grace of God, grace not only pardons your sin, it enables you to overcome sin. And he said, and I thank Christ Jesus, angry as I used to be, as bitter as I used to be, as, as, as sarcastic and as biting as I used to be. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he has counted me faithful, putting me into his service or ministry. Now what we see here is God didn't call Paul because he was so talented. But because God knew that he would live a life of such gratitude that he would do anything that God asked. You know, people say to me, you know, at this stage of your life, why don't you just take it easy and kind of just coast? But I say, you weren't there when he found me. You didn't experience what I experienced when he put his hand upon me. And I am eternally dedicated and indebted to the one who loved me first. And then Paul creates a list here. And sometimes you got to remember where you come from or where you came from to appreciate where you are. And sometimes it's just how soon we forget how it used to be. But not Paul. He said, although I was formerly what I was, I'm not no more. But I was formerly a blasphemer, one who spoke against God and against God's ways. But God can reverse even our worst." And it's amazing. God is—you know—it's just an irony about God. He's—he's just—he's poetic and he has a sense of humor. The man who spoke most vociferously against Jesus was the man he called to spend the rest of his life speaking about Jesus all around the globe. He says, I, I, "I was a blasphemer." But then he continues. list. List. He said, "And a persecutor." And we just read about that. He not only disliked Christians, he harmed them. And an insolent, ugly, arrogant man. When Paul walked into the room, the arrogance and the pride and the self righteousness was 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 almost overwhelming. He was this outwardly, you know, highly respected man, but inwardly so mean, so arrogant, so blind, so unkind. You say, why would God use such a sinner? The issue is, sinner's the only people he can use. There's a few of you looking at me like, what's... I don't care who you are. We've all done some things at some point in our life that we aren't proud about, proud of. Let me fix my grammar. Some things that we don't want to be reminded of. Things we just soon as forget. The fact is we were all aints before we were saints. We all had horns before halos. Some of us still ha- have our horns holding up our halos. But, but I obtain mercy. You see, if, if everything you got is because you deserved it, you don't understand nothing I'm saying. But I obtain mercy it wasn't my merits. It wasn't because I was better than the next person. It wasn't because I was so good, but because he looked beyond my faults and saw my need. God loved me despite me, and that's why I will praise him. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Again, as a Pharisee, he was required to to memorize the entire Old Testament, now many Jewish boys were, were required to memorize the first five books of the the the, the Bible, um, uh, you know, the the law of of Moses. Uh, but 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 this, this as a Pharisee, he had to take it to the next level. So he memorized again the whole Old Testament in his mind, but but he never knew God's mercy in his heart. And just because you grow up in, in, in church doesn't mean you've grown up in Christ. You see, God has no grandchildren. You know, as the lady saying, mama may have, papa may have, but God blessed the child that got his own. Verse 14. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant. some of y'all feel like y'all just need a little bit of grace. Paul recognized it was exceedingly (laughs) abundant. It's like, Lord, a spoonful's not going to do it with me. I'm going to need the whole bucket. Matter of fact, you know, get the fire hose (laughs) because I... But what we see here is Jesus didn't come to shame the sinner, He came to save the sinner. But after God forgives you, the next step is to forgive yourself. And the reason why God chose a man like Paul to be one of the leading apostles was to show us if God could forgive him, And he could forgive himself. Why can't you? Why can't I? And then he digs in and he he says he only uses this language five times in all of his writings. But he typically uses it when he wants to say something that is well known and he just wants to reinforce it and, and kind of vouch for it. He said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, meaning y'all got it right when you say, I know you think you're talking behind my back and everything, but y'all right when you say this, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am chief. This is a, is a saying, you know, if a, if a, if a crowd tries to uh, run you out of town, just get in front and lead like you're in a parade. <laughs> And this is what Paul has done. It's like hell to the chief. I am chief. Paul was not only a bad boy, but he was the worst type of boy. I can't think of any type of pride more dangerous, more subtle, more insidious as self-righteousness. Religious pride is the dirtiest, filthiest type of pride. And that's exactly the type of, that's why Jesus said, listen, you Pharisees and scribes, you know, these prostitutes you talk about, they go in before you. Because the worst type of pride is when you think you got it. You you can live up to God's standard on your own and, and you all that and you not all that. You lying. You see, the main difference between the prostitute and the Pharisee is the prostitute knew they was a sinner. The tax collector knew they were a sinner. And today, the biggest problem is with good people. People that don't know. Yeah, them, them sinners over there in D.C., them sinners in southeast, them sinners on that other side of town, on the other side of the track. But let me tell you, you just as much a sinner... As them other people, we's all sinners and fall short of the glory of God, and all of us need a savior. The whole point of the law was to remind people they needed a savior. That was the whole point. They couldn't live up to it, so they had to keep killing animals. And the death of the animals pointed to a substitute that would come in the person of Christ. So if anyone should have received the gospel, it was those under the law. However, for this reason, I obtained mercy. And this is what I need you to see. After God knocked him off of that, that high horse he was on, and he snapped out of it, and he said, you know what, yeah, yeah, who are you, Lord Jesus? And, and, and he finally surrendered his life and called Christ Lord. God was able to use Paul's sins to help others. Do you know that God wastes nothing? As bad and as horrible as your sins have been, He would like to use your sin to help others. I don't remember if it was Plato or Aristotle, I'm not sure. But one of them made the observation, the best guards are thieves. Yeah, y'all got it. Because a thief knows all the angles. And if you're a guard who was a thief, you know where to watch. You know when they're coming. You know how many they're coming with. So even what what was historically wrong with you, God can use to bring him glory when you surrender it to him. Please don't mishear me because, you know, some folks are looking for any, oh, Bishop doesn't say it now. I go out there and do that. God gonna use it for his glory. No, sin is, sin is terribly destructive. It'll always take you further than you want to go keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. But when he gets you out of it, he'll use you to help others also come out of it. However, for this reason, because I was such a wretched sinner, I obtained mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all longsuffering as a pattern He's saying, my life is a pattern of God's patience. My life is a pattern of God's kindness. The reason God redeemed Paul and cleansed a man as bad as Saul was to reveal a pattern to you and I. The thinking ought to be not why would God use such a man as much as if God could take that joker and turn him into one of history's greatest saints? What can't God do with someone like you and someone like me? You see, every saint has a past, and every sinner has a future. He said, for this reason, I obtained mercy. And th- th- he even felt a little redemption here. On a, on a deeper level, it's like, Lord, as bad as I was, God, you're even using that. So when people would beat him and persecute him, it's like, I understand the persecutor. I understand what brought them there. I can forgive them and release them because God forgave me of my inexcusable behavior. I can forgive them. And there's a sensitivity that comes when you've been there too. That Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering. He said he took all of it. That's what he said. As a pattern, a model of what God can do to those who are going to believe in him for everlasting life. Since he's the pattern and the model for all of us, what God wanted to show us through the apostle Paul is that God could take people as bad as the worst and make them as good as the best. Let me say that one more time. God can take people as bad as the worst and make them as good as the best. Matter of fact, he'll do such a good job, people won't even believe you when you tell your story. I remember I was reading the scripture and I'm I'm about to wrap up. And the man was by, by the, the the pool of Bethesda. And after Jesus healed him, he said, "Take up your mat and walk." And I felt the Lord, I was trying to understand that scripture spoke to my heart. I didn't want to I didn't want him to leave any even a residual, a residue of what he once was. I didn't want any evidence left in that place. Of what he was. God will heal you so good. That there will be no trace left. Of what you used to be. What you used to do. No past sin. Is ever greater. Than God's present mercy. And today. As I wrap up, there are folks in here, you've done some things. You've lived life. You followed the crowd. Then even in following the crowd, someplace you went further than the crowd. You've done things. And you're like, well, what, what could God do with a person like me? Well, you're the very person. But then you have someone like Saul. As far as the law was concerned, he was perfect. So we have some goody goodies in here, too. You've always been better than everybody else. Always got the perfect grades. You're just just good. But that good man, blameless as it relates to the law, calls himself the worst of sinners. And self-righteousness can be the worst of sins. So now from the least to the greatest, what I'm about to say is for you. Because even if you're better than all your neighbors and everyone in this church, and I'm sure you are, who wants to be the best sinner that goes to hell? Being better than me won't get you there. The standard is much higher. God is perfect and requires perfection. He doesn't grade on a curve. And because of that, that's why Jesus had to die as our perfect substitute so that we could look to him and live. If there's anyone in this room that said, I need a savior, I'm not as bad as maybe that person, but Lord, I fall short. Maybe there's someone in this room that, said, Lord, you know, uh, man, if the folks in this room knew who I was and where I came from and what I did, they wouldn't even be sitting next to me. But either case, Jesus says, "Come." Does any here he says, "Lord, today I surrender myself, righteousness. I'm not just gonna say I'm better than this person. That's why I'm gonna make it in because that's irrelevant. If I'm better than the next person, am I? Am I as good as God? No. We all fall short, and I need a Savior right now. With every head bow, I, be, I close. If there's anyone in this room who either wants to come back to God. Or give your life to him the first time. I want you to slip your hand up right now in this room. Say, I'm one of those people. I fit that category somewhere. Who's that one? Jesus will leave the 99 for the one. Who's that one? You know God called you. You know God loves you. You have no business doing what you're doing out there living like you live in. Come into the ark of safety. Let God protect you and keep you and
2: cleanse you. This has been Live Big with Derek Greer, the radio broadcast ministry of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. It is our sincere prayer that you are blessed and empowered to live a life bigger than yourself today. If you want to know more about becoming a Christian or want to rededicate your life to Christ, Bishop Greer wants to walk you through a step-by-step guide. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. Visit GraceChurchVA.org slash salvation to find out more. We invite you to worship with us online each Sunday on our YouTube channel at TV. And while you're there, remember to subscribe and hit the notification bell to get all of our latest content. That's all for today. Until next time, live big.